You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. So this morning we're going to be talking about uh, the sword. There's a lot of different weapons. We could talk about the name of Jesus. That's a weapon. We could talk about worship. That's a weapon. David, in the Old Testament, he'd pull out his harp, he'd play his harp, and he'd sing, and he'd worship God, and the evil spirits left Saul when he worshiped. Worship can be a weapon. The Bible tells us that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life, even unto the death. So there's other weapons that are available for us to fight the good fight. One of the weapons that is referred to a number of times in Scripture is called the sword of the Spirit. And I have my trusty sword with me this morning. And uh, this is a two-edged sword. And the Bible tells us that his word is like a two-edged sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews it says that the word of God is quick, it's living, it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. If it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it must be that there's some other swords around. But God's word is sharper than any other sword. His sword is the truth. It's his word. As you know, words are powerful. Words can... uh, can make a great effect on people's lives. You've heard the phrase, sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but uh, words, names will never hurt me. How many know that's not true? Actually, being called a name, having words spoken at you, can have a lot longer lasting effect than somebody throwing a stick at you. There was a very famous uh, rock musician. Her name was Karen Carpenter, and this was in the 70s. She was really uh, one of the best and still is said to be one of the best drummers, one of the best uh, rock and roll singers as a woman. And she died early at the age of 32. And many people say that the reason she died at a young age, had a heart attack at 32, was because somebody spoke words that were very detrimental about her when she was young. The critics said that she is nothing more than her older brother Richard's chubby little sister. And so she would look in the mirror and she thought she was chubby. She wasn't chubby. But as a result of it, those words drove her to be anorexic and bulimic, and she died prematurely. Words are powerful. If words spoken in this realm are powerful, you have to understand that words in the spiritual realm are very powerful, and God's word is the weapon of choice in dealing with our enemy. Our first message was understanding that we have an enemy. So then we talked about understanding our authority. And today we're talking about understanding our weapon. Your weapon that God gives you is his word. It's a sword. And when those words are spoken into the spiritual realm, they're, that, they're like light that just cause darkness to flee. Darkness leaves at the sound of his word when it is spoken. We all like a good sword fight. I like watching a good sword fight on a movie. I like the movie Zorro for the sword fight, and some others are fun to watch. Uh, but one of the movies that I hadn't really watched until it was introduced to me for this message, I know my girls have watched it numerous times, and, and, uh, and apparently it's, it's a really good movie. It's called The Princess Bride, but it does have an amazing sword fight in it. So I want to just whet your appetite for the message this morning. This is out of The Princess Bride, a little sword fight. You're using Bonetti's defense against me, huh? I thought it fitting, considering the rocky terrain. Naturally. You must expect me to attack with Capafero. Naturally. But I find that Tibble cancels out Capafero. Don't you? Unless the enemy has a study, he's a Gripa. Which I have. 
are wonderful. Thank you. I've worked hard to become so. I admit it, you are better than I am. Then why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. And what is that? I am not left-handed. Amazing. I ought to be after 20 years. Oh, there's something I ought to tell you. Tell me. I'm not left-handed either. That's great. Well, hopefully our enemy says, who are you? Like, how did you get to be that skilled using a sword? This morning's message is to help you be better skilled in using the sword of the spirit, to use a sword in the spiritual realm when you fight the good fight of faith. This is what our Lord did when the enemy tempted him in the wilderness. He said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, verse 7, verse 10, this, there in your notes, he said, he answered them it is, and said, it is written. He answered the enemy, Satan, it was written. Then in verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again. Then in verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. What was our Lord doing? He was using the sword. He was using the word of God, the truth, to push back the darkness. It's the same sword that we use. We are not above our master. If our Lord, if Jesus used the sword, how much more should we do it? Now, here's the deal. Jesus didn't say, wait a minute, Satan. Uh, can you just give me five? I know there's a scroll around here somewhere. I know I have a Bible here somewhere. Let me find that, and I'll get right back to you. We can do that with our enemy. Uh, I know, Satan, you're really tempting me with this. I know you're really harassing my life right now. Could you just give me a few minutes? I know that there's a family Bible somewhere here. I know I had a Gideon's Bible when I was a kid. Where would that be? Just give me five. No, we have to know God's Word. It's got to be a part of us so that when the battle happens... We have God's Word ready right then and there, just like our Lord, and we say, it is written. It is written. Again, it is written. To help illustrate the message this morning, I have a couple guests that are going to help us with that, and I'm going to introduce Matthew and Mona to you this morning. Would you give them a big hand as they come? They're both fencers, and uh, they're, they're very skilled at what they do. Uh, Matthew here was the captain of the UBC fencing team. Mona was the past president of the UBC fencing team, so they know what they're doing with swords. And uh, Mona also trained with the Chinese national team. So they're pretty good with the swords, and they're going to help us learn about uh, how to use swords today. And we're going to use those truths and apply it to the spiritual sword. So I'm going to be interviewing them, talking to them throughout the message but I thought we'd just talk a bit about the swords because you need to know your weapon. And uh, this, is, this is my sword. And Matthew, I was just wondering if you could just give me a little bit of a rundown. What do you think about my sword here? Uh, what well, are your thoughts on this sword? I, I would happily fight you if you were using this sword, to be honest. <laughs> First off, it's, it's dull. Um, but it, it does look 
Nice. It, yeah. It's probably it's a good ornamental sword. Oh, you know? and where so you were thinking this is like for a fireplace? Yeah, or something. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and there's a good truth that we could take out of that, and that is uh, the Word of God is not meant to be an ornament. It's not meant to be something that we put on our our coffee table in our living room, or it's not a book that we just put on our shelf to look spiritual, to look impressive. It's designed to be worn out. Your Bible should be marked up, underlined, read over and over. The pages should be brown on your favorite, where your favorite verses are. So the Bible's not an ornament. The Word of God is living, active. It needs to be studied and used more and more. When I compare my sword to theirs, theirs look pretty beat up, but this looks nice and shiny and polished, but actually that's much more of a deadly weapon than this ornament. And so let's study the real thing, not an ornament this morning. And uh, maybe, Matthew, tell me a little bit about some of the swords that you brought with you, the real ones. Sure, okay, that's, that's a broadsword. That is, um, I think, where they got the idea for that. Um, okay. <laughs> this, it's made out of steel, and uh, it's sharp. Eventually, that progressed into what we see over there, and that's what they had in um, Princess Bride. That's a rapier, sometimes called a small sword, and um, that is because people decided, well, if I'm going to stab someone, I don't really need a whole bunch of metal. I just <laughs> need something pointy. So there's that, and then eventually that progressed into modern fencing, which is what we'll be will be doing. And if you look at this, it's still a steel blade, but it's a bit more flexible. And the, uh, the grip, actually the grip is pretty interesting. It, you see how it's sort of, it's not really straight. It, it kind of bends. The reason for that is when she holds that, it bends to the side so that the blade, if, if I was to look straight into the blade, the blade should go straight into her arm. So it's, it makes a very nice line with her arm. Um, if you look over here, we actually have an orthopedic um, foil. This is what uh, is often used in, in com competition fencing. And you can see the way that is. The sword blade goes directly into her wrist. The line goes straight into her arm. And it, that's the way it should be. It should be a, pretty much a part of your arm. And that makes a good point. That's actually our second point, that if you want to use the Word of God, you have to understand that your sword is a part of you. When we were talking about fencing earlier, Mona and Matthew both mentioned that to be a good swordsman, that sword is really just an extension of your arm. It, you have to work with it until it becomes a part of you. And when she was doing that on-guard stance, if you look at it, again, there's a straight line right from here all the way down to her, her elbow. It's a part of her. And when she's fighting, that sword isn't, she's, it's not something foreign to her. She very much knows that sword being a part of her. Now, this is how God's word needs to be for us. Jesus said in John chapter 8, it's in your notes there, verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. A couple of words you should underline there in your notes if you like to is the word if and the word and. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So the word of God is the sword. The truth is the sword. And in order to be free, what he's talking about being free from here was free from sin. A little while later, the, the people that he's talking to say, well, I think we are free. We're the children of Abraham. He said, no, you don't understand. The freedom I'm talking about is the freedom from being enslaved in sin. Satan's goal is to try to trap us and ensnare us 
with some type of bondage so we don't enjoy the freedom that God had for us. Our response to that, both defensively and offensively, is to use God's word. So the Lord here in talking to him says, if you want to live free and really enjoy life, you're going to have to know the truth. If the truth is not a part of you, you're not going to be free. Just like they can't win a battle, a match, if that sword is really not a part of them. Here it says, if you abide in it, if it's a part of you, if it's a part of your life, then it will work. If you abide. See, truth alone will not set you free. You can have a Bible in your home and you're not free. There's a Gideon Bible in almost every hotel room, but I mean, know there's a lot of people sleeping in those hotel rooms that have got all kinds of problems. It didn't make them free just because it was there. No, it's the truth you know that sets you free. How do I know the truth? I have to abide in the truth. It has to be a part of my life. So that's an important point. Number two, understand that your sword must be a part of you, God's Word. Then the third thing that I learned from them is in order to be a good swordsman, they had to do a lot of exercises, a lot of drills, and a lot of practice in order to use the sword effectively in a match. And if we live our spiritual life, we just kind of wing it. And if one day the enemy shows up, we think, oh, yeah, I think I'll, I'm going to fight back. But if we have not been practicing God's word, if we go to church at Easter and at Christmas time, and maybe once in a while we drop into a home group or maybe an alpha class, if that's the extent of our spiritual training, we are going to get whipped in that spiritual arena. But if we are diligent to work out and practice and know God's word, Guess what? We will be more than conquerors. This thing is set up that we're more than a conqueror, that we're winners. But again, there's a condition to it. There's an if to this. It didn't say, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It said, and you shall know the truth. What does the and join to? Abiding in his word, knowing that sword, letting it be a part of your life. So you guys are telling me that you really didn't enjoy doing the drills too much, the, the practices. And, you know, a lot of times just, just memorizing Scripture, even sometimes going to church can be like, oh, okay, i got to go to church this morning, but I'd rather be doing something else. But yet when you get here, you're glad you're here. Or home group, you know, it's a Wednesday night, and you're thinking, oh, I should go to home group tonight, but this, like I should do some shopping, some laundry. But you say, no, I'm going to go to home group. And when you're there, you're so glad you did. It takes effort to do the practice, but that's what keeps us winning in life. What's the one drill that you kind of didn't like too much, Matthew? You were telling me about that one. Uh, yeah, this is a, it's called a flesh drill. And the, the idea of flesh is a move, um, comes from the French, means arrow. And um, if, if anybody saw the first service uh, this morning, you'd see me, I did like three face plants here trying to do this drill correctly. And the idea is you have to, by the time you're, you're in the moment, you can't, you can't think about an attack. You have to just react. And so what will happen is she's going to throw my glove over my head. I can't look at anything except straight ahead. And as soon as it goes, I have to try to dive and catch it and perform a good flesh and hopefully not faceplant. So let me just interject before he does this demonstration for you. Did, he, did you catch what he said? When you're in the battle, when you're in the moment, you have to almost react instinctively. And when a spiritual battle comes to us, a lot of times we don't get a notice ahead of time. It's just like one day all of a sudden, 
you know, you have a loved one in the hospital, you have a financial attack of some kind, and at that moment, we need to be trained and react instinctively, and so that's what this training is doing for him to be a good swordsman. I'm getting out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough because he's got to see it just coming over his head and in, in, a, in an instant he's got to be able to find it and get it he wants to get this one that's a tough well, drill. A lot more than this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Mona's helping you out there. Yeah. Imagine a half an hour of this. Ah! Oh, give him a big hand. That's tough. Now, keep the mic, Mona, and tell him about the drill, a drill that you really don't like so much. Oh, boy. My least favorite drill is for a move called the Posada Soto. Which is... I call it the risotto. She calls it something else. <laughs> and it's a move to get under your opponent's guard from a long distance away. The problem is, it actually takes quite a lot of strength and you get tired very quickly. So my coach makes me do it over and over and over again to make sure that after I perform it once in a bout, I can actually continue fighting for the rest of the bout. Mm. <laughs> Now, what she does is watch, uh, watch how low she'll get in, in, in the squat to, to get him. It's a quite... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so if, if you just attack, you can see it's actually pretty easy to defend an attack. I just basically push it aside, right? If she attacks on the other side, pretty easy. Now, what she's going to do, the Italians came up with something nice and sneaky... I'm going to try the same thing this time. She'll do a Posada Soto. So she just went underneath my blade. So, um, do you want to do this five times? How's your, uh, your legs after earlier? Maybe do it three. That's okay. <laughs> no, She's no, five. Five, okay. Five. <laughs> They're I in training. What can I say? We got to push ourselves here. <laughs> okay. Good. I think you can go farther. How's this? <laughs> Give her a big hand. That, that's she's making it look very easy. Uh, but tell me about your other one. That I thought it was interesting because when she goes forward, I don't know if you caught the, but her foot is just like a little bit off the ground, perfectly parallel, and then lands flat. And I was, how do you do that? It's just she's kind of glides over there, but. Tell her how you, how you practice to get that. Oh, well, um, in fencing, it's very important to have speed, control, and balance. So to make sure that I train for those things, my coach stacks five pennies in a column. And when I move forward, my foot has to take off the top penny, step on it, and leave the other four untouched. That's a lot of practice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But you see, again, where we're going with this is in their match, they want focus, they want strength, they want uh, balance. And in your life, 
You need to have focus. You need to have balance. You can't have distraction. You need to practice. And we put all that effort into, into a sport or into our business and other things. But here's the deal. If we want to win in the spiritual battles of life, we must be practicing be in God's word, let it be a part of our lives. If the only time we pick up a sword is every once in a while we have a little skirmish, it's rusty, we're not used to it, and we don't win. So it's important for us to be mature believers, to be strong, equipped, and ready for the challenges of life. And by doing daily exercises. We say, well, what's my daily exercise? Reading his word is a daily exercise. Memorizing his word is a daily exercise. Jesus said it is written. It is written because he knew the scriptures by memory. So I thought that was for children in Sunday school class. No, it's for all of us to learn God's word. David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word keeps me from the battles of sin, keeps me from being ensnared. When something comes at me, I can say, no, it is written. When something comes at me, a thought, a thought of fear or a thought of something else. Somebody here this morning has had a thought of suicide. That you're not valuable, you don't count, your life isn't adding up anything, and that thought of suicide comes at you. When that thought of suicide comes at you, that is the time you pick up the sword and you say, no, it is written. God loved the world. He loves me with an everlasting love. No, it is written. If God's for me, who can be against me? No, it is written. God has plans and purposes for me according to Jeremiah 29, 11, and I'm handling that sword. And the enemy's saying, oh, wait a minute, I can't deal with that. I'm out of here. But if you don't have that in your heart, he will beat you up and take you down into a spiral of deep depression and oppression that you don't have to be there. You can live free. He the sun sets free is free. Why? Because we know the truth. We have a sword. It's good stuff. A couple of verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. We need to handle God's word rightly. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. 2 Timothy 2, 15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. So our third point was that you have to develop skills with regular drills spiritually if you want to be good in handling your spiritual sword. Fourthly, you have to work out with uh, trusted partners, and uh, these guys are sharing with me how they get together, and they'll have different things that they do to work out with, uh, with each other and with other friends and partners. And in our, in our application this morning, we look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, where it says, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is a habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Now, for them, they encourage, admonish, and challenge each other as they see the day approaching. What day approaching? Well, the day when you're going to have a match. And us, we need to be getting together Sunday mornings in our small groups, encouraging one another, cheering each other on, supporting one another, correcting one another if need be, so that we can win in the battles of life. And uh, one of the things that Mona, you had shared was that you also have a debrief. Tell me about why you debrief and when you debrief. What's the purpose of it? Well, we debrief after every single match, whether it's in a competition or just for practice. And the reason for that is regardless if we won or lost the match, 
We want to know what happened. If we lost, we want to know why we lost. If we won, well, we want to know why we won so that we can repeat it next time. And it's very important to do this with someone else because often when you're in a match, you don't know what mistakes you're making. You're doing it over and over again, but you can't tell. So your teammate will be able to tell that. They will talk to you about it. And when you practice, they will target your weakness to make sure that when you're in a match next, that is no longer your weakness. Very good. Now, did you catch that? They debriefed after their, after their practices. Now, often in Christian circles, we don't debrief. We have our, our challenges of life, but we don't debrief because we don't, we're, we don't want anybody really looking into our lives. It's, it's none of your business, my spiritual life. I don't want you looking into my spiritual life, I, and I don't want you to certainly say that I could have done something different the way I handled the last battle. Uh, you know what? If you would just be in church every week, you may not have that same battle every week. Oh, no, don't. don't that's none of your business. If you would be consistent in home group, or if you'd be consistent there, you know, I, I seeing a weakness. No, no, I don't want you speaking to my life about that. That's none of your business. And guess what? We fight the same problems over and over and over again because we don't, we don't want to debrief. But in athletics, in business, we debrief. When I was in sales, after the sales call, I remember sitting in the car with my sales manager and another salesman, and we debriefed after every sales call. Here's what you did right. Here's what you did wrong. Here's why it didn't close. Here's why it did close. And the next time I went into a sales call, I was remembering, oh, yeah, I'm not going to use that same approach because that really didn't work. My coach pointed that out to me. But those debriefs are so important. Folks, in our spiritual life, we need debriefs. And we need trusted people around us, whether it be in a small group or whether it be with a family or somehow we have to debrief of the battles of life so that we know, because we have blinders. We can be doing things like Mona mentioned. You don't even see it, what you're doing. Somebody says, you know what? I can see this. Trust me. I'm praying for you. Make a change here. You don't have to keep fighting the same fight over and over again. The reason you don't have a lot of long-time friends is because the way you've been speaking about them, for example. And so you have somebody trustworthy speaking to your life in that debrief, and then you begin to win. So I thought it would be interesting if they gave us a little example of, uh, of a bout. And uh, so what we're going to have them do is uh, they've been, this is their third bout, because they did one last night, one this morning at the first service. So now... They're going to do another bout. I don't know what their strategy is, but before every bout, what they'll do is they'll, they'll tell us what their plan of attack is. And so why don't you go first, Matthew, and tell me what you're up to this time. Okay, yeah. She's so, plugging her ears. I'll make sure they're really plugged. So um, the first match we had last night, um, she totally whipped me. I tried to be a bully. It didn't work at all. Um, the, the service here... Uh, first morning service, I, uh, I tried to lay back a little bit. It didn't work necessarily at the beginning, but I came back for a tie. So I'm going to try and, uh, and be a little bit more reactive in this case, wait and, and watch what she's going to do. My footwork is faster, I'm convinced of that, but her blade work, I think, is, is stronger than mine. So I'll just try to stay out of her way and attack when I have an opportunity. All right. Okay. You're up, Mona. I'll make sure this guy plugs his ears here. No secrets. 
All right. Okay, Am I, I safe? Think, yeah, you're safe. Okay. So last night I won the match. Today, uh, this morning, we had a tie. And I think the reason for that is because I got into an infight with them. Basically, we got really close and we just started, I don't know what we were doing. <laughs> but that's not good for me because he's stronger. And if it gets into a bullying match, he's going to win. So what I'm going to do is keep my distance. When I go in for the attack, I'm going to get out of there as soon as possible. All right. It's good, Matt. We're ready to go. So well, they, they've told you a little bit about their strategies. And um, the, the analogy to that is, as they suit up, you're going to have some battles in life. And sometimes you know you've got a big event coming. And it's good to think, what's my spiritual strategy going into this? I am going to go in prepared. <laughs> now, they're going to raise their hand if they've been hit. We'll raise our hands when we get hit, just so you know, because it'll be pretty fast, and uh, only certain parts are target. Foil comes from duel to the death, so only vitals are targets. A little competitive. <laughs> okay, one more. Oh, give him a big hand. Great job, you guys. Amazing skill. Lots of practice, lots of practice bouts. When we get to our home groups and we're sharing God's Word and reviewing it and encouraging one another, sharpening skills, iron sharpens iron, we're doing that in the spiritual realm when we get together in our small groups. That's what we're doing. We're encouraging one another. We're not going for points and trying to outsmart the other person or anything. But in the spiritual realm, our, our swords are getting sharpened because we're going over the word together. The, the next thing that they, they taught me about being a good swordsman is you have to study past fighters. You need to go back and say, how did they do this in the past? Overall, sword fighting hasn't changed a lot over the years. And you know something in the spiritual realm? Really, the way Paul fought and the way we, Paul, we fight, not much has changed. There's been no technological advancements in spiritual warfare. We use the same sword, the same, same enemy, and we basically respond the same way. And so we have to go back and study great people. I encourage you, highly encourage you, read people that have had great lives as spiritual leaders. Read about people like Corey Ten Boone. Read about people like... Uh, Bruce Olson, who went to South America to work with the natives there. Read about C.S. Lewis. Read about uh, you can, uh, Hudson Taylor, who went to China. Read about great spiritual leaders. Put down the Game Boys or put down the videos. Put down the DVDs. And some of us can quote movie stats and sports stats, but we couldn't list more than a half a dozen spiritual warriors because we haven't read anything about them. 
And we wonder why we're not skilled in that arena. I got really quiet in here. I don't know why, but... <laughs> We need to continue to read, study, read. We have autobiographies. We carry some in the bookstore downstairs. Read about, How did they do that? How did, how did Hudson Taylor go to China and change that nation? How did Bruce Olson go to South America and change that nation? What about people today? What about people years ago? How did they fight this? They weren't perfect, but they were great with their spiritual sword. So that's a great thing I encourage you to do. Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke in God's word to you. Think about how their lives turned out and imitate their faith. We've got time for one more. And uh, this is number six. Listen carefully to your coach in total submission. And... Mona, maybe share with you, us, uh, what you learned from your coach and how it applied to, to fencing. Okay, in the traditional Chinese term for coach or master is actually shifu, which translates to teacher father. And I think that is very descriptive of the relationship I have with my coach because I trust him absolutely. If he tells me to do something, I do it. If he tells me to go into the corner, do lunges, and keep doing them, I will do them until he tells me to stop. If he doesn't tell me to stop, I don't stop. I could fall over, but I won't stop. And I do that because I trust him. I trust that he is an able coach, so he knows exactly how far to push me and when to tell me to hold back. I also trust that he cares for me in that, you know, he, he's going to be standing there beside me all the time. He will make sure that I don't come to harm. Very good. And as much as she had a really caring coach that helped her win competitions, really cared about her life, guess what? The Heavenly Father said, I have a coach for you. Jesus said, there's a coach for you. His name's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him. He's going to be your counselor. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your supporter. He's going to encourage you. He'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. I'm going to be beside you in the battles of life. Why? Because I'm going to coach you to victory. I'm going to be there right beside you. I'm in your corner. Maybe your family has given up on you. Maybe your friends gave up on you. Maybe your boss gave up on you. But I will never give up on you. I will always be there encouraging you and supporting you. Jesus said in John 14, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who what? He leads you into all truth. And again, the sword is a representation of God's truth. He leads you into it. He leads you how to use the sword in the battles of life. So this morning, we want to wrap up by saying, God's very interested in you winning the battles of life. The last thing he wants is to see human beings, people, enslaved to darkness. He came and gave us a rescue plan when he sent Jesus to die, rise again from the dead, and give us eternal life. It says he spoiled the powers of darkness. And then he said, I will give you the victory, and I will give you a sword. You will be more than a conqueror. The only way we lose is by default. If we don't pick it up, if we don't use it, and we just say, I don't want to do that, then we'll get hurt in life. But if we take the challenge, rise to it, say, I'm going to learn God's word, I'm going to learn this sword, I'm going to learn his truths, apply them to my life. And when those temptations come, those trials come, I'm going to respond with God's word. That's where our victory lies. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.